What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's CJ Cup. We are headed to Congaree. That's South Carolina. Fifth different golf course in five years for this event. It's been bounced all over the place, but the one constant is that we are having another 78 golfer field no cut event. And this field is absolutely stacked. Something like 16 of the top 20 players in the world are teeing it up. We've got guys that played well last week. We've got a, a, an unbelievably unique and fascinating golf course that we are going to dive into. So I'm not even going to waste any more time. Let's go. Let's talk about the course. Congaree Golf Club. It's in South Carolina. It's a Tom Fazio design. This golf course in in relative respect to golf courses in the world is a newborn, uh, a little baby. Uh, 2017, it's five years old, right? You don't have many golf courses on the PGA Tour schedule that are five years old. And this is one of the most unique courses, most unique clubs. Um, I think there's only technically one member of this golf club. They they do like ambassadorships and there's a, a teaching aspect for children. It's just a very, very unique golf course. We have seen it one time on the PGA Tour schedule, June of 2021. It was the host for the Palmetto Championship. That was an event that they added after the comeback from COVID. They were, you know, the schedule was just absolutely all over the place. So they they added an event called the Palmetto Championship played at Congaree. It was eventually won by Garrick Higo. It was the week before the U.S. Open. Um, we got to see it in action, and I'm actually going to show you. So I, I have the course key stats here on rickrungood.com. Everything you see from my website, rickrungood.com, giant golf database for fantasy and, and betting. The, the key stats here, uh, let me remind you, this is one year's worth of data. So do not use this as gospel. I think it is kind of interesting. Driving accuracy ranks very highly. 12th uh, means there's only 11 other courses in which driving accuracy is more important. We'll talk about why that might be in just a second. Uh, strokes gained approach ranked highly as well. So that it does pass the sniff test. But again, this is one year's worth of data. Let me actually show you this golf course and why it is so unique. So this is an aerial view if you're watching on YouTube. And what you'll notice is that there is literally um, zero rough. Well, I, I don't want to say zero rough. There is about one foot of rough, uh, or at least of first cut on every, you know, on these fairways. But for the most part, if you are missing the fairway, you are in these sandy areas. This golf course is designed to be essentially, um, an, an Australian sand belt golf course. The base layer of this property is all sand. So you will see every shot that comes out of the fairway, instead of a, a perfect little pancake divot flying out of there, uh, you're going to see just sand fly up, right? Like that's what you're going to see. And what that creates is a couple of things. One, again, if you miss the fairway, you're in the sand, you're in kind of these awkward there's like marshes out there. There are some bodies of water that you can get in trouble. I think they come into hole, come into play on 10 holes. You can see these kind of little, I don't even want to call them creeks, marshes, lake. I don't know what you call these. They're very small, um, probably shallow bodies of, of water that your golf ball can find, or you're in kind of this thicker, nasty grass around that, or you're kind of boxed out by some of these trees, right? They're growing trees in these sandy areas. What does this immediately remind me of? Um, first off, it reminds me a lot of Kiowa Island, right? At, at Kiowa, the ocean course, it's kind of the same thing. If you miss the fairway, you are 
are at the mercy of wherever your ball ends up. It might be hard pan. It might be sand. You might be in a footprint. You might be behind a tree. It's it's going to just kind of bounce around. You really need to be playing out of the fairway, in my opinion, right? Or else, if you're not playing out of the fairway, you're bringing in a lot more risk. Uh, think about a regular golf course where you miss the fairway and you're in the rough. Uh, okay, that's fine. You're getting basically... Uh, a known result. You're going to be in the rough or you're going to be in thicker rough or you're going to be in shorter rough or whatever it is. When you miss the fairway here, you might draw a fine lie in the sand that you can get the back of the club on and have no problem extracting it. You might draw a horrible lie in a footprint. You might be stymied by trees. You might find a marsh. So if you're missing the fairway, it increases your uh, range of outcomes. It increases the volatility. It's just a lot more risk if you're not playing out of the short grass. The other thing that this Australian sand belt kind of style of golf is going to create, hopefully, and it's what we saw for the Palmetto Championship in 2021, sand drains so well, right? When you get any any water on, on the grounds, it's just so easy for that moisture to be, um, you, you know, to come out of the actual turf. So what you have is a situation where this golf course could and should play firm and fast. So you'll see a lot of run out from drives. You'll see a lot of, you know, second shots bouncing up there, bounding up there because of that sand underneath and the drier or firmer conditions that you can get going. Go back and watch the tape from the Palmetto if you can find it. I did. I DVR every event so that I can go back and do this. Um you just it's just firm and fast and the ball almost never stops rolling and then around these greens um you know, you're going to be asked for a lot of creativity, a lot of creative situations. We'll talk more about that in a second. But let me show you a couple of other uh, screen grabs that I that I took from this golf course in 2021. Yeah, so here's uh, here's Garrick Higo hitting out of the middle of the fairway. And what you'll see is, you know, just off the fairway, look at what this is. You know, it's tree, tree, sand, um, fescue type, higher, you know, shin or knee length. Uh, grass and same thing on the other side. So it's just off the fairway. You're coming. You're getting into a little bit of trouble. Even the right side of this fairway, which is number twelve of what you're seeing, you know, you could have some overhanging tree situations, right? So, so playing out of the fairway, playing out of the correct side, playing out of the middle is going to be important. What else do I have here? Not that. That's a logo. Uh, okay. Here you go. This is. I, I wanted to show this because you can see. Um. It's just super tight lies all around these greens, right? You're not getting any of that thick rough around these greens. So if you miss a fairway, or excuse me, if you miss a green, sure, you could go Texas wedge depending on where you're at, but otherwise you're going to get a tight lie. See what else we have here? Uh, Okay, here we go. Here's a good example of kind of where these penalty areas can come into play. You can see this is just a, a creek that runs along this hole here, and there's just red stakes on both sides. That's not that big of a miss, especially towards the green, right? So if you're just a little bit off, if you're missing fairways, if you're missing greens, um, you're starting to get into some much more tricky situations. Same thing here. Uh, here's West West Roach on playing out of the fairway on 12. And look at this. I mean, so you've got, he's in the middle of the fairway. Uh, what is that? 10 yards to his left is one foot of rough or one foot of like first cut. It's very, very short. And then another step is that sand. And you've got this kind of marshy, wet looking grass here. You've got the higher fescue stuff. You have a tree. It's, it's much more volatile and unpredictable when you are not playing out of the fairway. 
So what type of golfers would fit this mold? Um, if you're looking at the last you know, 20 or 24 rounds, Tom Kim, as you can imagine, very highly rated. He plays out of the fairway very often. His approach play has been absolutely awesome. Those are kind of the two biggest factors. He gets the biggest boost of what I call adjusted fit course fit, right? You look at the stats, you compare it to how each golfer has played, and you see who gets the biggest boost. Sung JM as well. These are guys that play out of the fairway. These are guys that hit their approaches, uh, hit, hit them well. So no surprise to see that those names pop up. Rory, Justin Thomas, Taylor Montgomery, and S.H. Kim. S.H. Kim does not have a lot of rounds. We'll talk more about him in just one second. Here's the cheat sheet. So there are four golfers over $10,000. Starts with Rory McIlroy at 11 one John Rahm at 10-9, Scotty Scheffler at 10-4, Justin Thomas at 10-2. Um, actually, I should probably change this to global here because some of these guys have been playing in Europe and kind of playing all over the place. So let me get this situated. Probably can't go wrong with any of these guys, right? You know, you'll see Justin Thomas at 10-2, who has great CJ Cup history. He's won this event twice. Obviously, neither of them were at this golf course. This is a, a course they're playing in combination with this tournament for the first time. Scotty Scheffler, super well-rounded golfer, did not play particularly well at the President's Cup, um, but did, uh, you know, show a couple of signs, but you know, a little bit worrisome there. But outside of that, this is just, he's got such a well-rounded game. The two at the top, I think, are the two that are probably worth investing in, um, even though they are a little bit more expensive. Rory McIlroy, you know, no matter what Rory um, has been, ha no matter where he's been playing, no matter what course, no matter how how strong the field is, it is him being near the top of the leaderboard, right? So, so we know what he did down the stretch of the PGA Tour season. He wins the RBC Canadian. He finishes fifth at the U.S. Open, a third at the Open Championship, in which he was, you know, in it until the 72nd hole. Um, wins the Tour Championship. Then, since then, so since the win the Tour Championship, he's played three times on the European Tour. Uh, Runner-up finished at the BMW PGA Championship, stacked event there. Fourth place finished at the Italian Open, and then he went uh, to the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship and finished T4 there. I mean, he's a top eight machine, right? He's a top eight machine. He drives it incredibly well. Um, I don't think we're going to have much problem here with Rory McIlroy. The other guy that I think might be more interesting is John Rahm. Uh, by all accounts, John Rahm had a down, I put that in quotation marks, season last season. And, um, you know, the only win that he had was the Mexico Open in which he was plus 350. And a lot of people aren't going to give him credit for that, right? And he actually, um, I did a podcast about this. He actually wasted one of the best driving seasons of all time. Right, I think he was the 12th or 13th guy to ever finish a season gaining a stroke per round off the tee. It's very, very rare. And the other guys that have done it have averaged like two and a half or three wins. They've averaged, you know, like third on the money. Let's just like a huge accomplishment of a season. And John Rahm was like 15th in the FedEx Cup standings. He had that one win that I referenced. So I think most people are generally kind of down on Rahm. I think we're going to get a, a massive Rahm year, right? And he finished T2 at that BMW PGA Championship, which is better than what Roy McIlroy finished. Then he went and he won the uh, Spanish Open, the Open de España, uh, which is an event that he's won now, I believe, three times. Now, that that's not necessarily a strong field. He was, again, by far the heavy favorite, but I, I just think we are on the verge of John Rahm breaking out here. And if you look at the metrics, what do we see? Uh, he is the best driver of the golf ball on the planet, very likely. His approach play, his second shot is, is coming back 
a little bit back into form. It's not as good as it was uh, to start the 2022 season, but he's also had a couple of events where it's been much worse than this. The short game is completely fixed. Around the green, he's back to having that magic Spaniard touch, and the putting's been absolutely phenomenal. Just in the last eight starts, he has a plus three and a half, a plus five and a half, plus four and a half, plus seven, plus seven. That's five of his last eight. And when he gets that stuff going, it's it's lights out for the rest of the field. The other thing worth noting is that of the $10,000 guys, he is the most accurate off the tee, right? He, he drives it long, not as long as Rory McIlroy, gains about 11 yards um, per drive to the rest of the field, but he is the most accurate of the top golfers here, the top four, the guys who are priced over 10K. So we get a little bit of a discount, only $200 off of Rory McIlroy. Uh, I think that Rom and Rory are at least tangibly better than Scotty Scheffler and Justin Thomas, at least on this golf course. And I think that if you could invest in John Rahm kind of long-term, you should probably be, you should probably be doing that. Cause it feels like we are on the verge of getting uh, a really, really good year here, the nine K range. And there's a lot to take in here um, worth noting. Uh, and let me just pull this up on my other screen so that I quote the numbers correctly. But I think just if you, if you just compare the salaries to the uh, outright market on this Monday morning, I believe the immediate value that stands out is Max Homa. Yes. So if you go to DraftKings Sportsbook, he is 16 to 1, which is the same odds as Justin Thomas. Well, Justin Thomas is, what, $10,100? And Max Homa is $9,100. So Max Homa has shorter odds to win this than every other golfer in this 9K range, yet he is 9,100. And there are one, two, three, four guys who are priced above him. So if you're looking just strictly at. The odds to win versus what these salaries are, uh, Max Homa is like your immediate value. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick is very interesting. Uh, so what I think this golf course is going to to really ask of these golfers is a couple of things. I think you need to be fairly well-rounded, right? You need to play out of the fairway. The longer, the better, as with most cases on the PGA Tour. Your second shot then, always rewarded. That's uh, a common statement across golf. Doesn't matter what tour you're on. And if you do miss the green, uh, you know, they are tight lies. It's, it's not, it's not thick rough where you can just kind of get a fluffy lie and, and lay it up that you're, you're going to have to have a couple of shots. And this, um, I don't want to call it linksy style, but this like Australian sand belt style of golf, like it does allow for a lot of creativity. And I think that that mold of golfer, um, is Matt Fitzpatrick. So for the first time in 13 starts at the Andalusia masters, he, he lost strokes off the tee and he goes on to miss the cut. And I wonder if people are going to look at this and say, wow, he's coming off a missed cut. Maybe I can just move on to some of these other guys in the 9K range, which would be great because outside of that, Matt Fitzpatrick's been phenomenal, right? Every event gaining off the tee, dating back to the match play, which is a wonky event. So if you throw that out, it's going back to the Players' Championship in which I believe he was on the wrong end of the draw there. And when he's at his best, which is often, he gains across the board. There are a few guys at the top of the game who are as well-rounded as Matt Fitzpatrick is. And you can see it here. Um, gained across the board at the Italian Open. Gained across the board at the FedEx St. Jude. Gained basically across the board at the Open Championship. He did it at the Scottish Open. He did it at the U.S. Open. Almost did it at the RBC Canadian. He did it at the PGA Championship. He did it at the Wells Fargo. I could go on and on, right? Because he does it almost every single week or gets very, very close to it. So um, I think the combination of creativity, the combination of coming off of a, a missed cut, the combination of someone who can be really well-rounded and attack this golf course. Because in reality, if we if we recognize our own flaws in this scenario and say, we've only seen this golf course one time, we might know nothing about it, right? Might play completely differently than it did in June of 2021. We might not know anything. If we also throw in the fact that 
let's call it 25% of the time, we know nothing. Having a well-rounded golfer like Matt Fitzpatrick starts to make a lot of sense. Um, Sungjae, great. Like, listen, I'm not... Uh, I love Sungjae. There's going to be a lot of situations which you play him. This is probably one of them. I, I will note, uh, as good as Sam Burns was at the President's Cup and as excited and 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 how much I love Sam Burns and just... I've, I've, I've literally called him the modern like the modern winner on the PGA Tour for the last couple of years. Like, and I truly believe that. I do worry a hair about what we're seeing with the driver. Um, it's been more inconsistent as of late. So this is a guy who, you know, going back was gaining, you know, two, three, four off the tee uh, for a lot of his career. And now we're not really seeing that anymore. And 2022 in its entirety was him not really being all that consistent and being a... Um, uh, a weaker driver of the golf ball than he has been. So he's lost strokes off the tee in one, two, three, four, five of eight, which is a little bit worrisome. The approach play, it's okay. I've seen better. Same with kind of around the green, and then the putter's always, always very good. The other thing that worries me about Sam Burns, and I think I have it here. Yeah, so this is the 2023 season. So this is like, what, one event for him? Has he played? But this is kind of, in yeah, Sanderson Farm. So this is kind of in tune, though, with... What we were seeing at the end of last year is this stat right here, distance from edge of fairway. That's a stat that says when you miss the fairway, how much do you miss it by? He misses it by 37 feet on average. It's 178th on tour, meaning there are not many guys that when they miss, they miss as big as Sam Burns. That's kind of something we saw towards the end of last season as well. So that worries me around a golf course where you are very much at the mercy of what happens to you if you miss the fairway. And it's something that you um, do not particularly control. The AK range is probably where I'll have the most of my investments here. So it starts with Tom Kim and despite a 25th place finish last week, which I suppose is disappointing based on his price tag. Um, the guy's been unbelievable, right? And we don't have the stroke game breakdown from the Zozo championship. The PGA tour does not take the lasers and the cameras generally abroad and they do not take them to Japan, but hopefully we'll have them this week because we're in South Carolina, but we don't have the breakdown. The game two and a half strokes to the field. Um, it's hard to look at it and say, how did he do that? But if you just even zoom out, if I would have told you that uh, Tom Kim in, in any order over his last six starts has two wins, a runner up finish, a set, excuse me, two wins, Let's start this over. If Tom Kim has last five starts, if I told you had two wins, a seventh, a 13th, and a 25th, you'd be absolutely thrilled. Then if I threw in the fact that he was uh, fairly good, I know the record was only two and three, but I think he probably outplayed that uh, at the President's Cup, that would be even better, right? So if, I, if we were, if this was July and I told you that, you'd be like, holy crap, this guy's an absolute stud. And the way that he's been doing it, playing out of the fairway, kind of because he has to, and being awesome on approach, is great. I also think so. So the only knock against Tom Kim uh, from most people, and I think it's warranted, is that he does not drive it as far as everybody else does. Well, I don't think that kills you this week, right? You, if you play out of the fairway, you can get a lot of roll, you can get a lot of bounce. Uh, the ball release, or at least it did in 2021, uh, again, off that sandy base, that I don't think that's as important this week because if you're in the short stuff, you are going to get a lot of roll and you're going to be hitting it a lot further than, than kind of normal. So Tom Kim probably gets a lot of my investment. I think it's a Jordan Spieth week, right? So let's, again, let's talk about this because I will tell you immediately, I uh, am terrified about him being loose off the tee. But that is not unique here. It is not unique. It's just like, that's the Spieth model, 
right? He's going to spray it sometimes, although he actually does gain a ton of strokes off the tee. He's going to spray it sometimes, but he's a magician and he figures it out, right? If you can, if you can live with that, I think it's a speed week. What has he done since the RBC Heritage? That's an event he won. He won that. He finished runner-up at the Byron Nelson. T7 at the Charles Schwab. T10 at the Scottish Open. T8 at the Open Championship. And of course, 5-0-0, the man at the President's Cup. And he's gained a ton of strokes off the tee during that stretch. His approach play has been awesome. The putter's starting to come back, right? This is Look at this stretch. This was the worst putting stretch of Jordan Spieth's career, uh, which was basically farmers of this year to PGA championship. And he actually won an event by losing two and a half strokes putting. Well, he's back to putting well again. Uh, We've seen him gain strokes in five of eight. And we don't have the president's cup numbers in which I imagine when you go five Oh no, you have gained a lot of strokes with the putter. So that's really exciting. Uh, If we talk about creativity, right. And the ability to extract yourself from tough situations, the ability to get up and down from basically anywhere, that's Jordan Spieth. If you want to even take the Australian angle, Spieth's won the Australian Open twice in his career, right? So, I mean, that that style of golf, um, and you're seeing it too, right? Like, I think, I think if you start to plot golf courses in terms of creativity required, you get like the Lynxy style golf courses, you get this golf course, and uh, he went over to the Scottish Open, finished 10th, went to the Open Championship at St. Andrews, finished 8th. I think this is going to be another one. I really like Jordan Spieth this week. And at $8,800, um, feels like a steal. Feels like an absolute steal. The rest of this range, interesting, right? Um, we've got some really compelling options. Keegan Bradley coming off of a uh, victory. I still believe Terrell Hatton's noteworthy. So Hatton finished 45th last week, but I believe he was the 32nd uh, fantasy score, which is still not great. But when you outperform your finishing position by, by 13 spots, that's noteworthy. And you still have three top eight finishes in the last six. And also... Terrell Hatton finished second at the Palmetto Championship, which actually, I guess I should just show you the results of that event. So this is for everyone. So Garrick Higgo won it. You see Terrell Hatton here was in a big, like, what was that? Seven-way tie, six-way tie for second. Uh, gained 11.3 strokes. If you gained 11.75 ball striking, lost three strokes putting. If Terrell Hatton gained... 1.1 strokes putting, he wins this golf tournament, right? Like that's not um, that's not that big of an ask. Let me just sort by guys that are actually playing this week. Uh, there's a handful of them. So Hatton finished T2, Fitzpatrick T10, Ches Reavy and Harris English both finished tied for 14th, Seamus Power T19, Sung Jay and Tommy Fleetwood T35, Benny On T52. Um, then you get a bunch of guys who missed the cut like Kevin Kisner and Luke List and you can see them on my screen or you can check it out at rickrungood.com but there's, you know, uh, 10 or so guys that that went on to miss the cut that are that are playing this week. So Hatton um, didn't have a good enough week last week to probably move the needle, but I think that there are at least uh, plenty of takeaways in terms of how many birdies that he made. I mean, he made a quad like on Thursday, right? Which is uh, not great, obviously. And then you're able to kind of bounce back from that. He made a bunch of birdies and, and rattled off some, some bonuses as well. And historically, so here's Hatton's numbers at CJ Cups. Uh, 14th, 6th, 3rd, 18th. Obviously, those are four, those are four different golf courses he did that at. Um, so you're talking about uh, the top 78 players in the field, a no-cut event. Hatton tends to show up, and now we go to a place in which he finished runner-up the only time we've played it. So uh, lots of things to be excited about there. The Taylor Montgomery stuff is still kind of insane, right? So goes to a uh, goes to Shriners where he's you know heavily favored. Uh, Las Vegas, you could say that's good or bad as a hometown guy, finishes 15th. So now his last six starts, that's his worst finish. 
was a 15th place finish. It, it, it's really kind of nuts. And now you're getting a fairly reasonable price on him, right? I think there was a time when, um, you know, the price was coming up. The ownership was obviously out of control, but now you get a bunch of guys in the 8K range, uh, including Sahuth, who we haven't even talked about yet, who's coming off a fifth place finish at, at the Zozo Championship, uh, where maybe this is a week we see Montgomery slip a little bit in terms of ownership. And he is uh, more accurate than basically everybody in this 8K range, uh, except for Tom Kim, which is basically the same as, and he they are both uh, less accurate than Corey Connors is off the tee. So this is probably a pretty good spot for him. We'll, we're gonna we're gonna learn we're gonna continue to learn a lot more about what Taylor Montgomery is, but I think we're learning that he is just an absolute stud at this point. And when you think of game theory situations and his price and his projected ownership, which we'll know, you know, Wednesday 3 p.m. Eastern time, Rick Run Good YouTube channel, um, we'll know more about that projected ownership and. Uh, can get a feel for maybe if it's worth rolling out, rolling out Taylor. If this like data driven analysis is is interesting to you, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel for me. It goes a long way. Make sure you get these every single week. There's plenty of content uh, coming out, and it all tends to be as data driven as I can get it. Uh, finally, this AK range is is Sahith here. So let's just pull him up. And I think we've we don't need to talk too much because we've we've spoken about him um, ad nauseum essentially since since last summer, and you're you're getting all the good and all the bad, right? You know he's gonna miss cuts like he did at the Sanderson Farms. He's going to finish T six and T five like he did at the Fortinet and the Zozo Championship. The kid's an absolute stud, and when he plays well, um, he plays really well. So I I cannot imagine a scenario in which I'd be like, ah, no, I'm not sure this is a particularly great place for him. I do worry a little bit because if we look at his um, driving accuracy, he is the least accurate off the tee of the guys in the 8K range, which is worrisome. But again, you know, if I go back and maybe I'll do this for my my newsletter this week, um, I bet you when he plays well, he's a lot more accurate off the tee, right? And I know that that's like an easy thing to say, but... um, it's not always true, right? You have guys who are always inaccurate, but they can play well despite it or have some other flaw that they can play well despite of. I, I think Sahith being such a feel player that when things go good, they go really good. When things go bad, they go really bad. So I'll, I'll see if I can find that. Like, how has he driven it um, in weeks that he's played well? Is he playing out of the fairway more often? I think that would be pretty telling. I'll, I'll try to put that in my newsletter for this week. The sevens. Oh boy. Giddy up. Okay. So, um, Emiliano Grillo. If you've been following this channel, we have been tracking Grillo for months because we have been watching him gain strokes with the putter every single week. Now up to seven in a row. We have not, we do not know what he did at the Zozo Championship last week in terms of strokes gained putting, but he finished fourth. How can you look at this stat profile? at least from the memorial of last year, which is June, or of this of this year, this last season, and not feel anything but optimism, right? How, how can you not? It's multiple top five finishes. It is ball striking like he always has and a new found putter. There is, there is just so many reasons to be optimistic about this. And I, I said it once and I'll say it again. I will continue to have access to Emiliano Grillo via the betting market, via, via the DFS market, until this changes, until this stat profile changes, Grillo is a must play. That that that's that's my opinion here. Um, the rest of the seven K range. Shout to Mad McNeely, 
who played well at TPC Summerlin and played well again at the Zozo. I wish we had the strokes game putting stats because he was coming off an unbelievable 10 strokes putting week at the Shriners. We don't know what he did last week. Uh, I'm happy to go back to Siwoo. You know, Siwoo, 45th at the Zozo Championship, it's just ending a string of three consecutive top eight finishes. You're going to get some b- bad with the good of, of Siwoo. No problem there. The guy that probably has me most interested, I'm going to skip a couple of guys here, is that SH Kim. He's down here at $7,100. So he is technically in the field this week on a... Um, it's it's top three of from the Korean tour who are not otherwise exempt. So it is SH Kim, it's Benny On, and it is oh I'm blanking on the third. Now I got to look it up. Sang Hun Park is the third. So while he is technically in on that, uh, that should not overshadow his really good play as of late. So I, I got to look up what happened here. So here's his last five. T11. At the Albertsons Boise Open, that's a Corn Ferry Tour event in which you know they're getting towards the end of the season. Gained seven and a half strokes there. Nationwide Children's Hospital gained seven point eight there. He withdrew after three rounds of the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, where he had nine point eight strokes gained. He was killing it. Um, there were a lot of guys that withdrew in the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. I do not know if that was because I'll admit I got to look this up. I don't know if it was because he had his tour card locked up. I don't know if it was because he had. Something else to do? I, I don't know. But there were a lot of guys who withdrew. I'd have to look that up why. But he, again, so now those three events are plus 7.5, plus 7.8, plus 9.8. Fortinet, now he's starting his full PGA Tour schedule. Uh, 3.8 strokes gained there, finishes T36. That's the worst performance he's had in his last five. The Shriners, he was in the mix throughout, gained six strokes ball striking, finished fourth. This, I think this guy's the real deal, right? And you're getting him at um, $7,100. I, I just really, what I saw from him at the Shriners and what I saw, what I'm seeing in the spreadsheet right now is a lot of really good play. And the swing looked good and he's been contending a lot. It's a great stretch of five events for him. He's had a week off. He did not go to Japan. This is kind of exciting. So $7,100, that's 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 SH Kim. SH Kim is also um, the top stock market DFS player. So he's got four cash markets on jock market in which his average ROI, 146%. It's by far, by far the best in this field. Um, it, it's, it's ridiculous. So Tom Kim also up here, Sepp Straka, uh, Taylor Montgomery. But SH Kim on average, you can buy him on Wednesday night at $3.12 and his average payout was nearly $8. If you have not played jock market yet, I highly encourage you to. So here was last week. Keegan Bradley on Wednesday night IPO'd at eight oh three, eight dollars and three cents a share, pays out the full twenty five dollars a share. That's seventeen bucks a share of profit. Andrew Putnam, five fifty five last week, finishes second, gets the twenty dollars share payout. So you made fourteen dollars and forty five cents a share on Andrew Putnam, who did not win the golf tournament. Uh, Grillo was a big gainer as well. So even even Xander, Xander, who basically did not make you money in any market last week except the except the jock market, five percent ROI. I'll take a five percent ROI over a negative ROI any day of the week. So um, two things with this: every Wednesday night, eight fifteen p.m. Eastern time, Joe and myself do a, a power hour on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel where we talk you through the field and the pricing as it's coming in. And then of course, there's a link in the description. If you click it or use the code Rick, you get a hundred dollar deposit bonus. Very very fun. And also really good for no cut events um, because it's, I mean, you can trade throughout the 
the tournament. Also, you can short during IPO now. So if you look at this and you say, I hate the way Emiliano Grillo is priced, and I think he's going to fail, you can short him now during IPO. So it's actually really, really awesome. Uh, anybody else in the in the 7K range? Do we have to talk about Ricky Fowler? Should we talk about Ricky Fowler? Because um, you're seeing a lot of good and you're seeing a lot of bad as well. Now, he finished third at the CJ Cup. He was the 54-hole leader uh, last year. Rory tracks him down. It happened at Summit Club, completely different golf course. This last week was one of his best finishes since then. And the the story with Ricky is is pretty even even without getting the strokes gain uh, metrics from last week. I think it's pretty clear when he drives it well, he is live. Okay, now we've not always seen him seen him drive it well. He didn't drive it well in, at TPC Las Vegas and he missed the cut. Um, but he did at in Napa and he finished T six. If he drives it well around here, I think he has an edge. Um, and you're getting him at. $7,400, which is not bad. I'll need to see the ownership. Obviously, one of the more popular golfers um, in the last decade or so. We're going to need to see the numbers on that, but I, I do think that um, I do think he's interesting. Well, we can cover that more later in the week. You know, I will say, okay, there are guys, um, you know, Keith Mitchell, I was pretty down on Keith Mitchell for TPC Summerlin because I said, hey, you know, his ability to drive the golf ball, it, it doesn't really separate it doesn't separate him at TPC Summerlin. And despite giving me a scare and going out as basically the first round leader, he finished T60, so I, I kind of got away with that. Um, I actually think this golf course does set up well for him, right? A golf course that playing out of the fairway and then being long and driving it well does separate you. And and actually, Summit Club last year, obviously completely different golf course, but um, that was kind of similar, where if you're, if you're keeping it in in play, you're good. And if you're not, you're in the desert and you're totally screwed. And Keith Mitchell played well at Summit Club last year. I think he had like a five or six shot lead at one point. He ended up finishing third. So I, I do I do want to point out, it's easy for me to point out uh, courses or whatever that don't necessarily set up well for guys. But hey, he finishes T60, gains strokes off the tee, kind of despite not having a really good setup for him. I think this is a much better one. So I would not mind going um, going back to Keith Mitchell here at $7,200. Okay, the 6K range before we run a model. First off, uh, Webb Simpson, $6,700. That's something we've not seen in a long time, right? I don't really have a take or, or thoughts on it, but I just think that that's something we have not seen in a very long time. A um, couple of guys that do uh, stand out to me. Uh, JJ Spawn, we'll start there. So JJ Spawn is probably playing better than you might think because he's not, I mean, he's not winning golf tournaments, but you don't really have to when you're as cheap as he is. Finished T25 at the Zozo, T15 at the Shriners. He's made four cuts in a row. Um, he's made six of his last seven. He's not going to have to worry about missing the cut, but look what he's doing. You know, the ball striking has been positive in five of his last six. The putter can pop. Plus four at Shriners. Plus six and a half at the Rocket Mortgage. When he uh, plays well, he plays. he's very accurate off the tee, right? So I I, I find that J.J. Spawn is um, one of the more reasonable options in the top of the 6K range. The other guy, that and, and if you're looking for more volatility, I understand. How about Alex Smalley? Smalley almost had the um, the four rounds under 70 last week, but he shot a 70 on, on Sunday and finished T25. Otherwise, those first three rounds were, were splendid. Here's another guy that if you get him on the right week, uh, you're very, very happy, right? You know, go back to Mexico. That was like, what, 12 starts ago? He's got a T6, T27, T21, T16, T10, T13, T14, 
T25. He's got a bunch of top 25 finishes that almost all of them have been offset with missed cuts. One, two, three, four, five, six missed cuts during that stretch. So feast or famine here for Alex Smalley. He's not going to have to worry about a cut this week. Uh, T25 last week. I, I think that, again, when he plays well, he can he can legitimately finish inside the top twenty of, of a field like this. I think that's I I do not think that that is actually a um a big statement. Benion, as much as I love Benion, as much as I want to see Benion find success, he is like the least accurate driver of the golf ball in this field and of this range. So um I think he is just going to really bring in a ton of uh a ton of bad stuff right? He's going to bring in a ton of risk. He's going to have to get lucky. He's going to have to run really well. Uh, I, that just that just worries me. Let me actually look in. I was, I was going to go to the custom model, but I do have the Asian tour data and there is a golfer here at 6,200 that like literally, literally just caught my attention on the cheat sheet. Yosop Sio, $6,200. Let me pull up his golfer profile. These are his Asian tour results. Uh, and he plays a lot. Uh, or at least has played a lot in the last two months. So we've got an 11th place finish at the end of June at the Korea Open, a fourth place finish at the Indonesia Open, a 22nd in Singapore, a 15th in Korea, and a 14th at the Shinhan Donghai Open. So that's some pretty solid play. Plus 10, plus 13, plus 6, plus 7.6, plus 6.5 in his last five Asian Tour starts. I would be literally lying to you if I told you I knew anything more than what I just saw right now. Uh, he did play this event last year again at Summit Club and finished very close to last, T72. He was $6,000 flat. Uh, he drove it well, gained a little bit off the tee, lost 4.6 on approach, another four putting. I don't know anything more about him, but I thought it was worth noting that when he showed up on the cheat sheet at $6,200 and has five straight top 25s, it was worth it. Also, Bio Kim is here. He's sixty-eight or $6,000. Runner-up finish in Korea two starts ago. Uh, he won an event. How long ago was that? Now we're now we're in the weeds. But if you made it this far, you want to be in the weeds, right? Join, be in the weeds with me. That win he had was in... Okay, it was only in May. Okay. So he won an Asian Tour event in May. Missed cut the PGA Championship. 17th at the Korea Open. Missed cut the Scottish Open. Runner-up finished more recently at the International Series in Korea. That was in mid-August. That's Bio Kim. I believe he's like the hundred and... 29th ranked player in the world. That's my guess. Let me actually look it up. Biokim, OWGR. I looked this up the other day. 129. Come on. Come on. Get in. Let's go. Uh, Okay, let's run a model. RickRunGood.com. Custom model. Okay. Um, What do we want to do here? Let's do last 24, 36, 20. I'm okay with 24. All right. What do we know about this? Um... Let's start with accuracy, okay? Let's start with 15 on accuracy, 10 on distance. So we have 25 on driving and a little nod to accuracy. Let's go 25 on stroke scan approach. Pretty straightforward. Um, I do think you want to be at least competent around the greens because they're generally tight lies. So let's put 10 there and then we'll put uh, 15 on putting. So that gives us 25 to play with here. And see... You know, we could do like sand saves, even though it's not like like you just might be playing out of the sand a lot. But um, sand saves is obviously generally greenside. We could do, boy, um, could just do like fantasy. Po- Actually, 
Let's do bogey avoidance. That's not one we get to do. I think the winning score uh, for Garrick Higo was like 14 under, something like that. So not not very deep under par, at least in terms of um, PGA Tour standards. So let's put 10 on bogey avoidance and our final 15 on fantasy points gained. And we will see that our number one golfer is Sung J.M. And Tom Kim's number two. Scott Stallings, yeah, he's been great. Number three, Putnam four, Rory five, Trey Mullinax is six. Wow. John Rahm is seven. Scotty Scheffler is eight. Tom Hoagie is nine. Tommy Fleetwood is 10. Oof. I've got some, uh, I've got some decisions to make. Tom Kim, that Tom, Tom Kim will probably be in a lot of my lineups. Well, I'll probably have quite a bit of exposure to Tom Kim. I get that one. That one makes sense to me. I got to think. And, and Rom being number seven, great. Rory being five, awesome. Those are the two that I kind of thought. Trey Mullinax. I know he had that good run. Let's just let's just put a bow on that. If you've made it this far, you want the Trey Molinax deep dive right now. Well, yeah, that's what I'm kind of worried about. So unfortunately, like his last 24 also includes this win at the Barbasol. And it's got his T5 and this really good stretch of golf, but miscut the Fortinet, miscut the Sanderson. This is kind of something that, that we worried about that he was going to come back down to earth. And it appears that he just might have. So I might skip out on, on Molinax a little bit, but the rest of these guys, yeah, I can get behind that. Hatton, 18. Fitzpatrick, 14. A couple notables there. All right, that'll do it. Betting preview coming on Tuesday. Live chat on Wednesday. Jock Market Power Hour Wednesday night. Um, Just love it. It should be so good on TV. Really looking forward to it. Best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys soon.